All right, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. Your word is always truth. It's always on time. Thank you for blessing us, giving us life, giving us hope, our hope being in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the people you have here for this appointed time that they would come in and, and walk out having experienced and having met with Jesus, the, 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 the author and finisher of their faith. Thank you for blessing them beyond measure this morning. In Jesus' name of the church, say, amen. All right, y'all ready? Dead to sin, once and for all. Once and for all. Once and for all. Where sometimes we think that, uh, that we're only forgiving, forgiven until our next sin. And if we don't confess that sin, there's a chance we're not forgiven for it because you have to confess that sin in order to be forgiven, right? And so at night, you're trying to run back through your head all the things you did so you don't forget one of them, right? You got to, because you got to, you got to get them all, you got to confess them all and ask for forgiveness for all of them, all of them, all of them. There's a problem with that kind of thinking. Would you agree? Because uh, it's, it literally is, it produces fear. And it produces stress. And I'm here to tell you, God does not want you living like that. Jesus paid for your sin once and for all. Once and for all. I went to church camp one time. I told you this, guys. And, and, the, and the pastor guy told everybody, man, that you could leave here, die, get eaten by a bear or whatever. And you could you could get it. I've been to church where they say you can get in your car and you can go out to the red light and somebody run it. You could die right there and you can go to hell. You got, you got to get all your sin out. You gotta confess it all. You got one sin. So think about it. if you're if you're driving a car and you're going off a cliff, you got about ten seconds maybe to get it all out. And you're trying to remember all this stuff, right? Before you crash and die. That is not the way a believer is supposed to be living. Because there's no walking in victory in that if you're always focusing on your, your on your failures. And even you think about the logic behind that. You're trying to remember where you failed to confess it instead of just confessing Jesus. Amen. So let's go right into the word. Romans 6 verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He says certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Now here's the question. How did we die to sin? How? How, how do we die to sin? Because that's the issue. What does it mean to be dead to sin? It, do you think that words matter? All right. So sin here is a noun. What is a noun? Person, place, or thing. Now, if it was a verb, the verb version, hermetia of sin, it would be, it would be an action. In other words, we've died to the actions of sin. And that's how it's preached sometimes. You've got to die to sin, meaning you've got to stop sinning. Well, that's not what this is saying. You can't stop sinning because you're in this world. You're in this fallen world. You will never be able to stop sinning. If I told you you got to stop sinning today in order to get to heaven, you're not going to make it before you walk out that door. Right? So we got to know that this sin that we're dead to is the noun part of it, not the verb. You're still going to fall. You're like, man, this is encouraging. <laughs> You are. Here's the encouraging part. You're going to fail, but God doesn't take away his love for you because you failed. He doesn't. You just got to get back up and move. Keep walking. Know who you are. Know where you are. Know whose you are. Amen? So how did Jesus die to sin? Did Jesus have sin in his life? Nope. 
The Bible says he had no sin. He knew no sin. He did no sin. So how did Jesus die to sin when it says that he died to sin? That's a question that we got to think about and ponder. I like that word, ponder. Let's look at John chapter 8. Now, this is the woman who was caught in the act, the act of adultery. Uh, they brought her uh, to Jesus, uh, and we're going to pick it up halfway through the story, okay? So, verse 7. So, when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin uh, among you, let him throw the first stone at her, right? So, she's there. you got to picture it. She's there. She's probably been weeping. The Bible says that she was literally dragged through the streets naked, right? Yes? Would that be, would that be, it's not very favorable, right? She's probably, she, her hair's probably matted. She's got tears in her eyes. They throw her down in, uh, in a front of, in a group of men surrounding her, angry men surrounding her. They throw her down. You never hear about the dude she was with because he was probably a Pharisee. So, that's not in the Bible. That's just, you know, that's my opinion. Don't say prove it. I'd be like, get a life, dude. In a nice way. Throw her down in the circles. It's dusty, right? Whatever. She, Jesus is there, and, and, and he's looking at this woman, and, and he says, man, if you guys are without sin, throw it. Throw it. Throw the first one. And again, he's stupid. Now, he didn't say, hey, hey, uh, yeah, you should kill her because that's what the law says. And he, and he, he, didn't, he didn't say any of that. Because Jesus, when he does things, man, he does it in such a way that we're like, Um, and again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. So he, that, he said, he who was without sin, throw the first stone. Now there were many there that wanted to throw the stone, but couldn't. There was one that could, but he wouldn't. Amen. There was one there without sin. But he wouldn't do it. And, and I love this part because he's there with the woman alone. They left. He's standing there with this woman who thinks she's about to die. Because that's what the law states. But Jesus hands, handles it in such a masterful, loving way. It's beautiful, right? When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? Now think about this. Accusing and condemning. Same. He interchanged them. Where, woman, where the... Now, it seems to me like Jesus is more concerned about her condemnation than he is about her sin. Amen? Does he bring up her sin? Was it a sin? Yeah. But did he bring up her sin? No. He's more concerned about her condemnation and her guilt than he is about her sin. I want you to see that. She said, no one, Lord. See, Lord. No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. He gave her the gift of no condemnation, which allowed her to rise up and go and sin no more. Some people want to condemn you first to get you to sin no more. Tell you how bad you are. Tell you why you don't deserve things. And say, how can you call yourself a Christian? Right? Those kind of things. Condemn you 
in order to get you to sin no more. The Bible says Jesus did it the other way. You got to receive the gift of no condemnation that empowers you to go and sin no more. You got to know you're not condemned. You want to stop sinning? You're struggling with something? Tell yourself, I have no condemnation. It's not in me because Christ took it. And then you jump off that rat wheel of sin, confess, sin, confess, sin, confess. See, then the Bible says then. What does then mean? The next thing, right? The next thing. Because of that story, then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Shall not. The word shall not there in the Greek is ume. It's one of my favorite words, you know. <laughs> it's a double negative. What does it mean? You should never, ever, never, ever. It's a double negative. It's like you will never, 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 never walk in darkness. Amen? If you're a follower of Jesus, you will never walk in darkness. Some people say when you sin, you step out of the light. That's, that's a lie from the pit of hell. You can never step out of the light. The light is in you. It's like trying to escape your own shadow. The light is in you. That's why he says then. Because once you receive no condemnation, it gives you the power to go and sin no more. And you can never walk out of the light of God. Because that light is in you. You ready? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. Still no? Dang it. Don't let Satan it out. Y'all remember that part? Y'all remember that? Uh, <laughs> did you say we're trying? <laughs> Who said that? Condemnation kills. Amen. It does. Condemnation kills. It kills your spirit. It kills your uh, your what you want to what you want to see happen. Because the more you focus on where you failed. It kills the, the, what God has in plan for your life. It just stops it because you're always saying you're disqualified by what you do instead of saying, I am qualified by what he did. He qualified me. It's not about you and what you do here on this earth as far as your sin. We're going to fail. God knew that. He also knew that condemnation would be the biggest thing that Satan uses against you. And you even use against yourself. Sometimes we don't even need Satan. We condemn ourselves. And you, that's the time you got to say, wait a minute, man. I am qualified by the blood of Jesus. It takes faith to say that. That's why God is a great rewarder of faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's what all that means. You got to by faith believe that you are who God says you are. You got to see yourself as God sees you. Completely forgiven. Amen? Condemnation kills. Look at Genesis chapter 30. Uh, this is Rachel. Rachel couldn't bear children, right? She couldn't produce. Sometimes even when you can't produce, Satan will attack you. It's not that you're not doing enough. Sometimes you're not doing anything. He's always going to attack you. He's the accuser of the brethren, right? So Rachel, then, so, so God opened up Rachel's womb, right? Then God remembered Rachel and God listened to her and opened her womb. And she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. 
God has taken away my reproach. What does reproach mean? Reproach means scorn. It means shame. It means disgrace. You see that? Guilt is another word for it. God has taken away my condemnation, my guilt, my shame. You see that? That's why, how many of you guys know that if a woman can't produce, and we all know people that are in that spot, they feel like God is condemning them or they're condemning themselves. Would you agree? For the most part, right? Look at the word for it, though. You see the three Hebrew letters up here? There's three Hebrew letters, okay? The first letter of that is hak, right? And it's a, there's a picture for that letter. And the picture for that letter is fence. You know how the the, the the Hebrew letters have numbers attached to them, and they also have pictures. Well, the picture for that letter is fence, like a border fence. Are you with me? The second two letters spell the word Rafik. Jehovah. Rafa. What's that word? Healing. Right? The root word for healing, guys, is Rafa, but it's Rafa with a with a hay at the end of it. And it, it, it means relaxing. How do you guys know the the, 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 the the word healing in Hebrew? The root root word of the word healing is relaxing. Doesn't that make sense? Because God knows that that if you can be relaxed, then your health will be manifesting. But if you're stressing, then your cells are fighting against one another, and that's how you get sick. God knew all that. Amen? And that's that's how that's in the Hebrew words. It's unbelievable. So basically you have a fence. And you have relaxing. In other words, if Satan can get you to think that your relaxation, your healing is fenced in and it's not for you, then sickness can be manifest. Do you see that? Here's the point. You got to know that your healing has already been paid for. That fence that may seem like it's there is not from God. It's the enemy making you think that you're not qualified because of what you do. Does that make sense? Here's another word for reproach. Uh, say another story where reproach is used. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine? You remember that story? Very famous, right? And takes away the reproach from Israel. See, the people thought David's look was what was going to be the scariest part. The people looked at him and said, man, that's a problem. Look at him. He was a giant. But you know what David saw? David said his words were the problem. David said, who is it that takes away the reproach? Who is it that takes away the condemnation? Who is it that, 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 that makes us feel like we should still be guilty, like God's not for us anymore? Who is he who can say that to us? David saw his words as a problem because words matter. you got to stop condemning yourself. you got to stop saying you deserve certain stuff because of what you do. Let me tell you something. You don't deserve anything but death. But let me tell you something. What God did for you was give you life in spite of your sin. In spite of the fact you don't deserve it. And you can't earn it. He doesn't say if you do this, you'll get this. He says, God, he says, my son has paid for what you've done. Now walk in the newness of life. And be free. Like, like have a purpose. 
Sometimes we don't even know what our purpose is because we're worried about our past. Do you agree with that? You got to stop condemning yourself, church. It's not for you anymore. And David's like, who takes away, who, what's going to be done for this, this, this giant that takes away the reproach from Israel? If the devil can keep you from relaxing, you can become sick. Because Even studies show that in the, in the medical world. They say 85% of all diseases are caused by stress. Stress over time. The more you stress and you don't rest, the sicker you'll get. But if, if you can understand that your, your healing is found in relaxing and trusting the Lord, then your healing manifests. It all runs together. You agree? All right, back to Romans 6. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Say amen. Christ is not dying anymore. He doesn't have to. Death no longer has dominion over Jesus. It doesn't. For the death that he died, he died to sin, to sin. He died how many times, church? Once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Jesus died one time for sin. One time. And that sin there is a noun. The, the, the condemnation, the penalty, and the judgment of sin. He died to it, right? Um, verse 11. Likewise. Likewise. That means in the same manner that Jesus died to sin. How did Jesus die to sin? Once and for all. Likewise. You also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Reckon. This is the problem. There's a lot of Christians that forget to reckon. There's a lot of ch Christians. That's logizomai. That's 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 the word it means to take account of. Like in the same manner that Jesus died to sin once and for all, you consider yourself. You reckon yourself to be dead to sin. That so so it begs the question of how did Jesus die? How did Jesus die to sin? Because it says likewise we do it. Is it a did Jesus die to the power and influence of sin? And the answer is no, because Jesus had no sin. He did no sin. Did Jesus die to the guilt, condemnation, and penalty of sin? The answer is yes. That's what he died to. That's the noun part. A is the verb part. We got to know that Christ died to the condemnation, the guilt, the shame, and the penalty, the judgment of sin. That's what Christ died for. So now, likewise, you also consider yourself to be dead to the condemnation, the guilt, and the penalty of sin. See? Likewise, just like Christ died, consider yourself, right? Uh, so here's the, here's the truth for all that. You are dead to guilt, condemnation, and the penalty of sin once and for all. Christ is not going to come back and judge you again. God's not going to judge you in heaven again if you're a believer. That would be double jeopardy. That, that would make God not holy. Amen? Don't, don't you know that we have a law in the United States, double jeopardy, that you can't be charged for the same crime twice? So if God is taking away your sin here and forgiving you, what makes you think that when you get to heaven, you're going to have to go through that whole process again? Does that make any sense? The Bible says you are forgiven once and for all. You died to sin once and for all, just like Jesus did. It doesn't say the verb part because it matters. It doesn't say you're not going to sin anymore. It says that you're dead to the judgment of sin. That's what Jesus did for you. Once and for all. 
All right, let's keep going. Therefore, 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 you need to find out why it's therefore. Because <laughs> this, this is the verse that a lot of people just throw out there out of context, right? They say, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. God, that you should obey its lust. <laughs> you ever hear them pastors preach like that? They, they, they just want to throw that condemnation on you, man. Don't let sin reign in your body. Maybe not like that. Body. <laughs> How do you do not let sin reign? There's a therefore there. Therefore is there. People, people can't do 12. They can't let sin not reign in their body if they don't understand that what Christ did in verse 11. This is who you are in verse 11. You got to reckon yourself just like Jesus and what Christ did in verse 10. It's there, I promise. See, for the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. That's verse 10. We'll keep it in context, people. If you know that Christ died to sin once and for all, now you can go and you can therefore not let sin reign in your mortal body. Unless you understand there's no condemnation for you, you can't let not. But if you understand that Christ paid for it, he took your condemnation, now you can let sin not. I thought it would, anyway. And, uh, oh, and do not present, all these ands are a result of, 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 of verse 12. It all runs together, right? And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Now, when you see this righteousness, people think old covenant. They think, hey, we got to earn our way, right? But righteousness in the new covenant is a gift. It's, you can't earn it. It's Jesus, right? So, so 12 and, and 13 are really about how to not let sin reign in your body. But if you don't you see that, therefore, if you don't understand the previous verses, you'll never get it. You got to know that there's no condemnation for you, right? Uh, 14, for sin shall not, shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Now, you can say that sentence the same way. If you're under law, guess what? Sin has dominion over you. If you're trying to obey the law, if you're trying to keep the law all the time, sin has power over you. Because by the law is the knowledge of sin, not your Savior. So it, it all makes sense, right? The more you try to do the right thing on your own, the more you try to earn your favor from God, the more you fail. And then condemnation comes. But if you first know, like Jesus gave that woman, the gift of no condemnation, now you can walk and sin no more. Now you can let sin not reign in your body because you know you're not condemned. So the moment you sin, if you're struggling with a certain sin, man, if you're like me and I struggle with certain sins sometimes, I sin and then I confess. I'm like, God, I can't believe I did it again. I'm so sorry. And then you sin again. You're like, God, I'm so sorry. I'm such an idiot. And, and how do you love me and all this? It's false humility. Right? It's just false humility. And, 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 but the moment you realize, thank you. Like, I'm not begging you to forgive me. I'm thanking you that you have forgiven me. That gives you the power to get up and walk. And assume your posture, your position in Christ. Satan wants to condemn you and keep you down. Well, you see how much he loves you, man. You can't help but get up. You got to get up. Get on up. Let's go back to fear. 
stress, condemnation. They're all related. The world will tell you about fear. The world will tell you about stress. You can, you, can, you can have this fear of something, but there's a deeper root. A deeper root, right? You stress about something. If you're stressing, there's a deeper root. That's not the, 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 the bottom line, right? You, as a counselor, we, we peel back the onion to see what the problem is. That's kind of like how we were taught. And I, I may be a biblical counselor, but y'all are like, you need counseling. That is kind of it. And, that's, and, and therefore, I don't receive it. All right, check the story out in Genesis. Famous story in Genesis, the fall of man, right? Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was, he was afraid. So there's fear, right? Uh, because, why was he afraid? Because I was naked, and I hid myself. Nakedness is a, is a picture of sin. In the Bible, right? So he condemned himself. He saw his sin. He became afraid. Afraid of God, the one who provided everything for him. The one who loves him, right? Um, where? Oh. Oh, I didn't put those in. Oh, it's all good. All right, so anyway, uh, God said, why, why, who told you you were naked? Who told you were naked? Did you eat from the tree I commanded you not to eat from? You guys remember, think about this. There's two trees in the garden. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. One is Jesus because Jesus is the life. Amen. The other one, the knowledge of good and evil is the law. So you got two trees there. God told him not to eat from the law. That's what we just read in Romans 6. Every time you eat from the law, every time you put yourself under the law, you have death. You see your sin. But when you eat from the tree of life, you can freely eat all day. You have life. It's your choice. Even today, even though Christ is the end of the law, people are still chewing on the law. And they feel dead inside. They feel condemned. And that's the only weapon Satan has against the church today. Is to get you to think that God is disqualifying you. And making you go by the law. Paul calls the law the ministry of condemnation. Paul calls the law the ministry of death in 2 Corinthians 3. Imagine that. We're trying to get our kids to memorize the Ten Commandments. We're saying, hey, memorize the ministry of death and condemnation. Let's start with John 3.16. Let's say, hey, memorize John 3.16. For God so loved me that he gave me Jesus so that I could have life forever. Why are we trying to put our kids under there? And I was talking to Bill at my house the other day, right? About, I don't even believe the Ten Commandments should be put in the courthouses. And we've got Christians fighting for that. Why do we want the ministry of death and condemnation in there? Why don't we put John 3.16 on a plaque and put it in the courthouse? Why don't we fight for that? Why do we want people to know how that God is going to kill them? Why don't we let them know God's going to love them? Because it's the goodness of God that will lead them to repent. Not the, not the law, not the, the, how horrible they are. Crazy, right? All right, last, last, last verse. This one's not on the back of your bulletin, I don't believe. Did I forget? Oh, 1 Peter 2.24. He himself, this is Jesus, bore our sins in his own body. In his own body. Not your body. His own body bore your sins on the tree that we, having died to sins, there it is again, died to sins, might live for righteousness. We've died. Now, is that something that's going to happen? Or is that something that's already happened? 
It's already happened. It's past tense, right? Again, I went to GHS, but I'm pretty sure that's past tense. Past tense. Having died. We have died to sin. That the, the guy, He's literally telling you, man, you're dead to sin. There's no more punishment for you. There's no more condemnation for you. You're dead to sin. Now, live for righteousness. Oh, there it is. We've got to live for righteousness. We've got to be holy. No, righteousness is a gift. Live in that gift is what he's saying. Look at these last words that, that come after, though. Very interesting. The first part, I would say, A, there's no condemnation because you're dead to sin. The second part, by whose stripes you were healed. In other words, if you know there's no condemnation for you, it leads to your healing. Do you see that there? There's a reason why that's there like that. No condemnation for you. You're dead to the guilt, the judgment, the punishment, the penalty of sin. Now, now, relax. Now your healing is there for you. Many people are trying to get to healing without understanding there's no condemnation for them. They got it backwards. You got to know you're not condemned and you are healed, right? Next verse. I put this one in there because I wanted to show you. I wanted to show you what I'm talking about where you got to know that you're not condemned and then your healing is manifested. You remember when, when the people, uh, they, brought, they brought this guy to Jesus and they couldn't get in because it was so crowded, so they lowered him down through the roof, all right? And, and the Pharisees, uh, Jesus saw it, and he saw their faith, and, and he said, you know, your sins are forgiven you. And the Pharisees were like, ooh, why is he speaking blasphemy? Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus is like, you guys are such idiots. You think he said that? Sometimes I think that, but I'm not Jesus. Y'all know that? <laughs> but this is what Jesus says to him. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Now, what did the man need? Did he, did he come down for forgiveness? No, he came down for healing. He got it backwards. He wanted to be healed. He knew Jesus could heal him. They broke through the roof, blowed him down. Uh, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise. Take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up his bed, and went out in the presence of them all so that, that, that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Now, what's crazy about this verse is, like I said, the man didn't ask to be forgiven. He wanted to be healed. But God knew that if he could, if he could receive his forgiveness first, no condemnation, that, that, that now he can get up and walk. He couldn't get up and walk until he knew. He knew that he was saved. He knew that he wasn't condemned. And that gave him the power to assume the proper position and walk. The church, that's a message for us today. We got to know that we're not condemned by God anymore. And that gives us the power to walk in the proper posture. As victorious. You can't be victorious if your head's always down. You can't be victorious if you're defeated inside. You can't. But we are victorious. The Bible says we've even conquered death. And if you want to see healing manifest in your life, man, maybe the problem is that you are condemning yourself somewhere. Think about it. Somewhere in my life I've condemned myself. And I've carried it this long. And now it's manifested. Now it's all I think about. If you focus on the fact that you're a sinner, you are forgetting that your Savior came and took your place. And all the benefits that he get, has given us, it, it, you just, you're just disqualified. You're disqualifying yourself. I'm here to tell you this morning. God 
loves you. He gave you Jesus. Jesus paid for your sin once and for all. There's no condemnation for you. You can't sin your way out of heaven or, the, or heaven would be empty. God loves you. Jesus died for you. No condemnation for you. Now walk in your healing. That is the basic premise of this whole message. You got to know who you are. You got to know where you stand right now before a holy God. He's your father. You have an advocate. Jesus. You have an advocate. The Holy Spirit that's in you. Two persons of the Trinity are advocating on your behalf. To the judge who is also related to your attorney. Right? Like that's an advantage. If you were in a small town in Alabama, you got pulled over speeding. And your attorney was related to the judge, you would think you have a pretty good chance. But it doesn't have to be Alabama. You know what I'm saying. Poor white. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you got to know that there's... That it, it, you, will you stand up with me, church? And just confess this with your mouth. Say, there is therefore now no condemnation for me. Thank you, Jesus. Guys, say that over and over and over again. A couple of verses that you need to repeat because you're speaking scripture, right? You're speaking life. You're speaking truth. There's power in your words. When you feel condemned, when you feel like God's against you, when you feel like you can't find him, I love when people say, I found Jesus. He wasn't lost. <laughs> you were. <laughs> he found you, right? I found Jesus back in 1988. <laughs> really? I didn't know he was missing, right? Uh, you got to know, guys, that that you have to speak out these verses. You got if you're feeling like he's not around and you're condemned, say there is therefore now no condemnation for me. You know what I'm saying? And, and then you got to remind yourself. Don't forget this verse. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am. What does that mean, church? I am. Like right now, right where you are. You are. You are the righteousness of God. God sees you as completely righteous because Christ died once and for all. He's not coming back to do it again. Isn't that good news? Tell people. Tell people about it. But first, receive it. Because you can tell when somebody doesn't believe it. But when you're passionate and you believe it and you're thankful, man, you can't help but tell people. You, can't, you, you pick up the phone and say, man, I just want you to know I'm forgiven. They're like, great. <laughs> Me too. No, I'm really forgiven. You don't even know. And it's going to manifest in my healing. Right? Some people say it's flu season. When people say it's flu season, I'm like, no, if, if it's only you knew season. Amen? If only you knew season. If only you knew what Christ did for you. If only you knew he himself bore your sickness and disease. Don't say it's flu season. Say it's, it's a new season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's encouraging it. He's encouraging it. <laughs> Honestly, man, let me just tell you this before I bring Pastor Dorian up. If, you, if, if, if someone says, will you forgive me? 
Instead of saying, yeah, I forgive you, how about you try to say, I completely forgive you. I completely forgive you. Instead of saying, I just forgive you, because that sounds so generic. That's like, I love you too. But if you say, I completely forgive you, because that's how we're forgiven. Completely. You know what it means to say, I am complete in Christ? You are complete because you're completely forgiven. So someone has done something wrong in your life. Someone has disappointed you. Someone has uh, has thrown you under the bus. Someone's really let you down. And you're holding on to some bitterness. In your head, speak it out. I completely forgive this person. I just completely forgive you. Now you're letting it out. You're saying it. See, that woman, Jesus had to hear her say it. The woman caught in the act of adultery. She's not, she, she's not condemned. Neither do I condemn you. But he wanted it to come out of her mouth. Not for him, for her. He wanted her to say it. Because her tongue has the power to speak life and death, just like your tongue. And so sometimes it's good for us to say it for ourselves. I completely forgive this person. And now you walk in freedom. And your healing manifests. Because that bitter, that root of bitterness is gone. Amen. Praise the Lord. So I'm going to um, bring Pastor D up, if you would. As Christ has, uh, as you received Christ in the word this morning, um, I'm sure you're very thankful. I would love for you to be able to, at this time, give the honor and glory where it is due by giving Jesus a round of applause for who he is and what he's done in our life. We are, we have been given so much by him that we're, we're just scratching the surface. We may never know all the benefits we have in Christ. We may never know it. You might get to heaven and be like, oh, that was mine too. You know what I'm saying? But but it's not about those things. It's about what Christ did for you. He's alive today. He's not dead. You're completely forgiven. And you have life. Go out there and live your life as a light. Let people see that you're alive. Don't let people see you with your head down. Don't let people hear you say, I'm a sinner. I can't believe I did that. Let them know. Let them know that you are completely forgiven. Do you guys know that? Amen. Then, then, uh, then the message worked. Thank you, Jesus. Pastor D. Amen. Let's pray, church. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word that came forth today, Lord. Thank you for blessing our lives in a way that only you can. God, thank you for giving us hearing ears and hearts to receive your word today. God, you have equipped us with the powerful word. You, you have given us life and death in the power of our tongues, Father. You encourage us to speak that life. Father, may we be courageous enough to do just that, walk in your gift of no condemnation, to walk in the righteousness of Jesus, to walk in the gifts, God, that you so graciously bestowed upon us, Father. Thank you for equipping us for every good work. Father, thank you for your word that has not fallen on deaf ears, but fallen on ears that were ready to receive, Father. We thank you, Father, for uh, every opportunity that you give us to bring you glory and to bring you honor in the earth, God. We thank you for every divine appointment, every opportunity, Father, to, uh, to forgive completely those who may have wronged us, Father, Lord, so that we too can be free, so that we too can be healed. And Father, we just bless your name. We thank you, Lord, for 
the truth that makes us free, Lord. Thank you again for just allowing us to receive and to hear. Now let us walk in faith. Let us walk in this newness of life, God, that you've given us. And let us share this good news, Father, so that your word will continue to go forth, Father, that lives and eternities, Father, can be changed forever. So we bless you and we thank you for who you are and all that you've done and for your purpose and plan, all that you're going to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. Amen. We are dismissed.